All right, rugby fans, welcome back to another episode of the USA Rugby Clubhouse. I am one of your hosts, Mike Petri, <sighs> joined by Ben Foden. I love you, Ben, but your season is your season is done. Uh, you know, I, wanted, I wanted to give you that MLR champion Ben Foden, you know, at the end of this whole thing and be like, I'm here with, you know, MLR winner Ben Foden, but like, ah, dude, what, but what a series of games this weekend. But man, you know what? You go, you play <laughs> outside looking in. I look at it as growth, Mikey, because you know as well as I do in that first season we had, we lost that one, that semifinal by two points. So, right. you know, I've just lost by one point. So I'm thinking if I do one more year, it's going to be a draw or I'm going to win. So I'm thinking, you know, we're trending in the right direction. Um, my no, my math background in teaching tells me you'll tie next. <laughs> tie next year. Tie next. And the year after and then that, then I'm in. And then you'll go to kicks, and then we'll, that'll be really cool. That'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> no, listen, you're always disappointed when um, you don't win your last game of the season when it's in the playoffs. So, listen, there's, there was always going to be three disappointed teams, or, well, two disappointed teams at the moment. And sadly, Rooney, Rooney were one of them. Uh, it was a very, well, both games were really close. You know, we've got plenty to work on at, at Rugby United New York. Um, there's loads of things to work on loads of positives from the season a few negatives as well and i still feel that rooney are trending in the right direction they just still need to sort out a few key things i think losing dan holland's head for the playoffs you know one of your star players and being a 10 instrumental to how the, the team play i think that wasn't good in terms of you know whoever made that contract or signed that contract to, in order to get him over but then lost him for the most important part of the season um, you know, losing coaches like Greg McWilliams at the start of the season, um, Marty Burke left, you know, before playoffs as well. Well, a few games before the playoffs. But, you know, there was a few things, that, a few missing ingredients that could have, you know, swayed it our way, I feel. So, you know, all credit to Atlanta, though. They, um, they toughed it out. You know, they chased the game. They scored the only try of the game as well. And, um, you know, losing a game 10-9 to a tough, tough Atlanta team, although it's, Hard to swallow when you get to my age, Mikey. You know, I've I've lost I've lost more important games, but I've also, you know, I realize that when you're outgunned, you're outgunned. And we were outgunned at the weekend. It's it's you know, they had a lot of possession. It looked like they were always gonna sort of have enough in the end to sort of win. And so yeah, we're disappointed. Yeah, we'll I'm sure Rooney will be back in the playoffs again next year and, and fighting for the silverware. But it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. My riding off into the sunset. You know, carried on the MLR shield was not quite. I have to leave it to someone else. There's still juice left in the tank, though. I can tell. <laughs> I, 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 I in your eyes, I know. But look, give yourself more credit. But, you know, you're saying at my age, you sound like you're over the hill. I think you're what 36, 37, right? 36, Playing, mate. Just turned. 36, Just playing like you're 26. I mean, I was the stat I saw was that you were uh, one of the leading offload players in the entire league right like that's that's incredible right you're able to find space get through gaps put other people away and when you get to be 36 that's what you need to do <laughs> i've made it to 36 <laughs> in new york <laughs> but look an incredible achievement just to get that far both for yourself personally as an athlete but then also for rugby new york to get into the semi-final i mean with all of the the hiccups and and the logistics of running a team in new york and training out of a 
random warehouse in Jersey City and some park field where you've got to fight for time with kids soccer programs. I, like it's, it's, uh, it's incredible you made it that far. But a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Atlanta having home field advantage gave them that one point edge that made that critical difference? Uh, yeah, I do. I think when you come to playoff rugby is very, and we listen, we've never lost to Atlanta until that game. You know, we, we, all the chips are sort of in our corner, but I do feel that, you know, when you come to playoff games and it's, uh, you know, one strike and you're out, it's so important to have home field advantage. And you, I, and I'd say that if you look at the LA game as well, I think that the LA game was, a, was another reflection of that. Um, you know, the, the results surprised me because obviously the week before, Utah put out a, a, str- a strong side. LA decided to rest a load of guys. They only just got that win, Utah did. So I thought, you know, when the big guns are back in, you know, they were going to blow them away by 20 odd points. And it just wasn't, you know, and you could see as the game grew on, went on and on, that LA were getting a bit skittish. They were getting a bit frantic. They needed to make it happen. And do you know what I love about the game, Mikey, is that it's full of superheroes in their team. Dave Dennis, uh, Gitto, um, you know, Billy Meeks, Coop, Swoop, um, even DTH and uh, Big Ryberg. But the guy who stole the show is an American guy. He's come on the scene, supposedly, you know, he's like a sponge and been you know, training very hard, learning the game. And, you know, Ryan James just popped on the scene and scored two crucial tries, especially that last one. And the last one, one-on-one with Mikey Teo, arguably one of the best players of the season, you don't see him make many mistakes and he ins and outs him and, and scores the try that, that puts LA in the final. So in terms of that game, um, I know you wanted to see a Utah-Atlanta final if it was going to be anything just for the coaches, but I think Utah put them, you know, Utah have been the standout team of the whole season because obviously everyone knew LA were going to be up there. Utah, who have been bottom of the rung, bottom of the rung, bottom of the rung, and then suddenly they've got things right. They've got new coaches, they've got new players. They've got a fan base. They have a play, place to play their games. And it just seems like they are, you know, the, the fairy tale team. Although they didn't quite have enough to make it to the final, they are, you know, going to be a team definitely for the future that are going to be competing at the highest level for the next couple of years. Yeah. Hang on. I think the New York LA final would have been like the Hollywood script, right? Like I, I, I know you, you, you know, the coaching thing aside with the American coaches with Atlanta, with Scott Lawrence and Pittman with, uh, with Utah, that would have been cool. But I think the LA New York final would have been one as a New York player, like former New York player, that would have been pretty awesome. Uh, but two, just the storyline of the East Coast, West Coast, like prominent city battle, I think would have been really cool. But uh, I think this one is is going to be good. I think that there's some unfinished business for LA, right? Um, but they've got home field advantage again. They've got quite a spectacle coming on in terms of like setups for the event and and performances and all kinds of stuff that they're trying to lure fans into the Coliseum. I don't think they'll fill it. Right. But I think that they'll probably put some good numbers in, but like you said, it was cool to see Ryan James as a young local American hero stepping up and, and getting his team over that edge to get to the final. He did a great job, but I want to also say that Harrison Goddard really just read that play like a book. He did you know, a very defensive oriented game, similar to yours and take advantage of those little moments when you get them. 
Got our caught a few Utah players cheating across off the short side. Found a little mismatch in a five-meter channel, two-on-one. And, I mean, he gave Ryan James the opportunity, and, I, and Ryan James just made it happen at the end. So, like, both those players, just good heads-up play, good athleticism from Ryan. Uh, that was a, that was just awesome to see. It was just really cool to see. And just devastating for Utah. You play so well. And then it comes down to some, like, plays like that that, you know, little tweaks. You know, your nine just kind of hangs at home for an extra half second on defense on the short side. And doesn't yeah. leave too early, and and it makes a difference, you know. But. Well, talking talking about difference makers, um, we managed to grab hold of a certain player from the LA team before the semifinals, a Mr. Billy Meeks, who actually went on to get man of the match of that game. I'll arguably give it to Ryan James for his part he played, but but Billy was a, was great in the game. So we're going to catch up with his interview now, and uh, and then we'll jump back on. Right, we have our first guest, Mikey. Obviously, um, being finals week, it only felt right that we got in league league, league leaders of the LL Giltinis, uh, a guy that's in the you know peak of his career, been over playing in England with Gloucester and London Irish, back over to Australia, another one of the Australian crew that's come into the LA team that sort of added a bit of star power. Um, it's none other than Mr. Billy Meeks. Billy, how are you, boy? Mate, I'm well. Thanks for having me. It's an honour. I know we uh, we tried to link up a few weeks ago, but uh, it's yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I I, I know your pain, mate, because I got the old eye injury as well. I don't know if you can see, I got a few stitches under there. Uh, wasn't looking the best, and we had to have a week off for that one as well because I didn't want to come on camera very vain in my yeah. old age. No, fair enough. I, I was not coming on here with a swollen face. I, I know how many viewers you guys get, so I was just I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man the vanity in this i can't do it it's like it's <laughs> the new one but billy do you not know think mike do you, do you i don't know do you watch uh do you know tom hardy mikey i mean there's a lot of tom <laughs> hardy, a lot of tom hardy and billy meeks look i'm not yeah, i'd be lying if i said that was the first time i've heard it but I'm not going to play up on it because I think it's a it's a bit of a stretch. But thank you. I'll take it. I will take it. I'll take it. Good. Billy, you've had um, a really um, a great season, a weird season as well. Obviously, you picked up an injury, playing in the centre. You're playing in the back row randomly. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? Well, how did that come? Is that the first time you've done that? Have you done that before? Okay, so well, I've never I've never played. I've never started a game there. I've, I've definitely filled in um, back in the game when, you know, we've lost a man and stuff yeah. like that to fill in the scrum. But yeah, it just so happened in, in back end of one of our games, uh, I think we lost a back row for the last twenty minutes. So I actually ended up playing twenty minutes there um, on the side of the scrum, which was which was fine. Obviously, uh, a lot of backs have filled in there, and it's you sort of do a job and just try and push as hard as you can. But then, I think off the back of that, we had a few injuries, a couple of guys away, um, and we just we just had a vacancy in the back row, and obviously we're pretty pretty stocked up in the in the midfield. So DC sort of said to me after the game. The, the first game, look, you know, you might be there for a couple of weeks, but who knows? And I said, look, I, 
I don't really mind. Like, uh, you know, as long as I'm sort of starting, I'm in the team, I'm, I'm happy. Um, and to be honest, the, the first, the worst part about it was actually training with the forwards for the week. Cause you know, yeah. the amount of shit we give the forwards throughout the week for not doing anything. And, you know, surprisingly, they actually work a lot harder than us. <laughs> it was a, it was a tough week of training. I was in malls, I was in scrums, I was getting lifted in lineouts. We're doing all these trick plays, um, you know, with me in the back row and stuff like that. So it was definitely an experience. Um, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad yeah. it won't be happening again. That's my but, next question. Um, yeah, I've a newfound respect for the forwards, mate. Um, they work pretty bloody hard. Fair play, really, fair play. Really your downfall was playing well when you got the shot there. You should have just yeah. bombed it and been like, this is not for me. And it, yeah, I know. It's sort of one of those situations, you know, when your mum asks you to do the dishes or hang the washing up or something, you do a good job, then she's going to ask you again. I, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I did a good enough job to get asked to play there again. So, um, yeah, that coach is sitting there like, that worked out pretty nicely. We need we need someone to fill in. You're going to be there for the next couple of weeks. Right, make yourself yeah. at home. I've only got myself to blame, but that's all right. So, Billy, talk to me about how the opportunity to sort of go and play for LA um, came about because you were over, you started off. I don't know if you started off your professional career in England, but you were with Gloucester. You, mm. you did good things there. You darted back to Australia for a little bit, and then you were at London Irish. And then literally the season finished, and you'd gone boom straight into into the um, the MLR season. How did that all mm -hmm. come about? And how did the conversation come about? How did you know that you know there's going to be an opportunity to play out there? So it's a bit random. It actually happened a fair while ago. Um, it first popped up uh, probably the beginning of last year. Uh, when I was still at the Rebels, um, you know, I was sort of deciding what I was going to do in terms of staying on in Australia. Obviously, Australian rugby was in a bit of a weird place with COVID and it went to an Australian Super Rugby competition. And I sort of felt like my time with the national team or trying to make the national team had sort of come to an end. Uh, and I feel like sort of all the way throughout my career, going to different clubs and change and all that kind of thing has always been sort of beneficial to me. Uh, I really enjoy, enjoyed change. I really enjoyed sort of growing in new environments and stuff like that. And to be honest, America wasn't really a, a blip on the radar. It was it was sort of something that I'd heard of, um, hadn't played too much close attention to, but I was definitely aware that something was going on over here um, and it was potential for sort of maybe in a couple of years time, but not, not right now. Then it sort of started snowballing, um, started talking to Adam Gilchrist, the owner, uh, through my manager and stuff like that. And then it sort of just came to a point where I actually sat down for lunch with Gilly um, and he explained to me sort of his vision for the team, um, sort of where he sees it going a little bit more about the MLR. And, you know, sort of after that, I was, I was actually pretty set on coming here. Um, he's a pretty persuasive guy. Um, he's obviously got some, some big visions for this club um, and he's passionate about the MLR being successful um, sort of on the global scene. So, yeah, I signed, I signed pretty early, actually. Um, so I knew after my Rebel season was done that I'd be coming over to um, the MLR with the LA Giltinis. And it sort of was that lull period where yeah. we didn't know when we were going to start. We didn't know when pre-season was. So our Super Rugby season ended. And then I had this sort of six, seven-month gap where I didn't really have anywhere to be. I'd finished with the Rebels. LA was starting a little bit later on. Um, and then fortunately enough, through having a British passport, there was an injury at London Irish in the midfield. And they sort of got in touch with me and said that we could use you for a couple of months. So it sort of worked worked out pretty nicely that I could go there for a few months, finish off their season and then come straight here. So, I mean, I was pretty fortunate that I got that opportunity, but yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to be here now and really enjoying it. And so it's interesting you say that, Billy, because you're not, you know, you're not like me or Swoop or Gitz. You're only 30 years old. You still got another good four, four years of top flight rugby in you. 
is your mentality just, you know, I don't know how long you signed for. Are you thinking you're going to be at LA for a while? Is that conversation that you had, you know, when you signed? Yeah. So I think I definitely wanted to give it two years. So I've signed for two years. I'm definitely here next year. And I've probably, probably it's exceeded my expectations in terms of the quality over here. Um, I'm not sure if it's far better this year than it was in previous years, but I'm, I'm super impressed by the quality. Um, and I'm enjoying the challenge. I feel like my biggest fear coming over here was, as you said, like being in my prime is growing as a player, getting better and being challenged every week. And I feel like I'm getting that, um, which is obviously the biggest, the most pleasing thing for me at the moment. Um, so in terms of the future, I can't see myself at this stage going anywhere else but the MLR. Like I feel like I've sort of found my home here. I'm obviously enjoying LA and everything it has to offer. But it's really cool to be a part of a team from the start as well. I'm enjoying sort of our startup mentality here in LA and you know the start of the season was a bit of a shambles with our preseason and where our base was and moving around a lot but it's kind of cool to be a part of that and see where we're at now and I can only see things getting better and growing so you know right now as it sits I'm, I'm happy here and I'll probably see myself staying here for a few years yeah so wait, wait, wait. hang on hang on hang on it's Time a shambles out. Mikey they went to Time Hawaii out. shambles when you're preseason in Hawaii dude didn't you guys go to preseason in Hawaii <laughs> I knew this was coming Mikey yeah <laughs> I can't believe I used shambles uh, <laughs> when I say shambles when I say shambles after Hawaii we came and we didn't have housing yet so we actually stayed down in Oxnard I don't know yeah. if you've been to Oxnard but it's there's not much going on down there but yeah, so we're very fortunate. I went from the depths of winter, COVID lockdown in Richmond, London Irish, to a flight to Maui where I was <laughs> sitting by the pool and having a couple of cold beers. So, yeah, not, not much of a shambles, but, um, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? I think the thing that can be said about this league is that everyone is still finding their feet right. as, a, mm-hmm. as a rugby club because, you know, it's not like... It, you know, England and Australia, where you have rugby clubs spaced out across the whole, you know, country and everyone plays at a grassroots level. It's in all the schools yeah. and stuff. And that's the thing that they're battling now. They're trying to get into high schools, trying to get, you know, Mikey, you can sort of dive into a bit more of that in terms of like, you know, how many universities are playing rugby at the moment, Mikey, in, in America? I would say that, I would say that almost every university in the U.S. probably has the men's and women's team. It's just a matter of how competitive and serious they are and whether or not they're just a social program that's there for fun or whether or not they're actually competitive with their rugby. If you talk about competitive with their rugby, there's, there's probably no more than I would say maybe 20 total throughout the country in both men's and women's realms. Um, when you talk about like legitimate contenders to, to lay title to the best rugby program in the country that, that train the way they should have full-time coaches, have full-time facility. It's, it's definitely not the same or on par with where either you guys are from. That's yeah. And so Billy, talking about that, you know, California is a big rugby playing state. I'm right, Mikey. I'm not right in saying that. Yeah, right? yeah, it's a pretty, pretty good hotbed for rugby. Yeah. Are there links been made between LA, you know, Giltinis and you know, grassroots and academy, looking at you know, linking up with these universities? South Cal's a big one, isn't it, Mikey? I think where there's a lot of good players come through. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would imagine Billy, correct me if I'm wrong, but with Kevin Battle as as your manager there, Kevin's very rooted, deeply rooted in that area of the country with rugby yeah. through his ties with Santa Barbara. So my guess is there's probably some, some good relationships going on there. Yeah, certainly. I think, um, I think Kev's playing a huge role in that department. He's, he said, extremely passionate about sort of grassroots rugby in this area. And I think he's 
been involved in that sort of side of things for a number of years now. And I think, unfortunately, due to the lack of, sorry, to the to COVID and stuff like that this year, we've, we haven't been able to do too much in the community um, in terms of going out and our, our presence in the community. I've been to a few uh, schools, which is really cool in Inglewood and sort of the inner suburbs in California. And um, that was amazing. And uh, we've had some stuff at clubs as well on, on Tuesday and Thursday nights. Um, and even just to see our academy team, like we've had a second team play sort of three or four fixtures as curtain raises to our games and fielding, you know, a whole nother 23 players is, is really cool to see. But again, I've sort of been blown away by that side of things. I, I didn't really think the, the rugby presence would be as prominent as it is. Um, and you can definitely feel it as players. We're getting a lot of interaction from coaches from all club teams um, and players reaching out, coming in. And um, yeah, rugby's definitely here, but it's just a matter of trying to grow it as much as we can, um, as quickly as we can, yeah. I read I read a piece, I think it was on Twitter, saying the LA Times had written um, about the Giltini saying they are the most dominant sporting force in LA or something like that, obviously. You're kidding. No, no, I read that this year because obviously the lake has bombed out and no one's really got to any finals this year, have they? So all hopes okay. are pinned on the Giltinis. Um, and obviously, you know, you boys are sort of on a pedestal compared to all the other teams. We look at all you guys, we know like yourselves there, Gitto's there and Cooper's there and DTH is there and you've got all the rock stars. You know, you've got Gilchrist, who's been causing waves that I love to talk about him week on, week out. He's my favourite person. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're, you're playing at the LA Coliseum. You played it so far. You know, you've topped the league. You were smashing everyone at the start of the season. Is there added pressure that comes with all that as well? Now it's in finals footy because anyone can win finals footy, but everyone is expecting LA to be winning it all. Correct, yeah. Great question. You really put me on the spot here. Look, I um I agree with you. It's you can't shy away from the fact of sort of our setup, um, the roster that we've got at the moment, and sort of as you said, the way we started the season and sort of how we've finished in the last couple of weeks. But how we're how we're sitting uh, on the ladder uh, with a home semi, and you know, if we can get this win a home final. There's a lot of things that have been put in place now for us to to try and go and win it. Pressure, yeah, I suppose there's a bit of added pressure with all that going on. Um, but that's sort of something that we're enjoying, I suppose. Um, yeah. I think we've got enough experience in the group to, to keep us at a good level grounded um, spot and sort of focus on the job at hand. Um, as you said, now we're into knockout footy. Um, you know, there's four great teams playing this weekend. And, you know, the, whilst we were had a few players out last week, you know, Utah, as we've seen, you know, finished all their games really strongly and they're going to be a really tough battle this week. And then, you know, if we're, if we're good enough to beat Utah, then we've got to play you know, yourself, New York or Atlanta, both teams that we've lost to on the road. So it's not, it's definitely not done by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, you know, we're definitely, we definitely feel like it's going to be a really hard task, but at the same time, we're, we're happy with how we're sitting. Um, and we're pretty excited about what's ahead the next couple of weeks. It's funny, um, before you came on, uh, Mikey and I were, were just talking and obviously in terms of like headlines, and like selling a game of rugby, especially to an outsider, New York mm. versus LA in in the Coliseum. You know that is the the headline sort of yeah. sell. But then Mikey made a good point that obviously Atlanta, Utah, if that's the final, American coaches, no superstars. Mm. They've built teams generically. You know, one's linked to a very good university. Utah is very big in the rugby. They've got a great community, and what's going down there with their crowd getting in and and all the stuff they're doing, doing down there. Yeah. It, it's just, 
you know, it could be anything. Do you know what I mean? And that's the exciting thing about this league as well, just the way certain games have played out. Anyone can beat anyone on the day. Um, so, Definitely. yeah, looking forward to just seeing how it pans out. And, I, you know, I, I, what's also very interesting to me is being a fly in the wall and the other teams as well, because, you know, inside the New York camp, it's very much, you know, we've got to focus on ourselves. When we get it right, we know we're a good team, but there's been times yeah. in the year where we've got it wrong. Do you know what I mean? You know, we got we got hiding yeah. from from Toronto in week five or whatever, where things just went completely. Mm -hmm. We got spanked by forty odd points. So it's all about focusing on yourself. But you know, we're underdogs. We haven't won the we haven't won the East Conference. Atlanta did that. We're going under the radar. Yeah. We lost the last game, but we got enough from it. You know, and I, I I find it very interesting. You know, Utah, I'm sure, is sitting there going, "Listen, we are the kings of stealing games. If we can." you know, stay with LA into the last five or six minutes in our heads and their heads, we win games in the last minute. So that'll be their mentality. Do you know what I mean? It's just very interesting to yeah. think about how teams are preparing for these, these last games. Um, yeah, so definitely. I think, um, I think sort of off the back as well, we're, we're sort of similar in the sense that we know that if we can play the way we want to play and if we play sort of our best game this season, that, that we definitely should do, do a job this weekend. But at times this season, we haven't done that. And for us to play well, it actually takes a certain discipline from the whole 15 that are out there to play within our structures, which at some times when you're playing a team like Utah and it can become quite unstructured, ball gets in, quick lineouts, quick taps, you can sort of sometimes nibble on that, lose your head a bit, and you know the game starts to get thrown up in the air a bit. So I think it's, it's going to take a fairly disciplined performance uh, in terms of sticking to our structures and the way we want to play and how we've prepared to actually do a job because it is finals footy and it's not as though it's a round game where you can... I lose by two points. It's all right. We'll pick them up somewhere else. It's you know, there's no next week. So that's probably the most exciting thing about these finals. I'm going to throw a real curveball at you now, Billy. Um, mm. How have you found the refereeing? Because there's no there's uh, fourth, fourth official, and obviously, you know, the referees are very different. You know, you've got JP Doyle's mm. Premiership. You know, you've got Kiwi guys who have, who've refereed a bit of like minor 10 football and then you've got the American referee yeah. as well. How, you know, do you think they could influence the game depending which referee you get given on the day? Definitely. I think um, it was probably the biggest thing in this competition that took adjusting to. Um, a lot of the guys warned me uh, in pre-season and then in pre-season games, you sort of got a feel for it. But it is very different. Um, I'd say... There's a little bit of inconsistency throughout the start of the season, um, finding it hard to adjust to referees, not seeing much of the breakdown. I suppose a lot of us are used to assistant referees playing a pretty big role, and I feel like they don't play as big a role here. Uh, they sort of just do their job, um, which, you know, it is what it is, and that's what you get. And then obviously not having the video ref, um, you know, it's up to one guy in the middle to make, make a call on what he sees in that moment. And, you know, you might be in a better position and see something, um, that actually happened, but there's nothing you can do about it. So it, it's been pretty frustrating at times, to be honest. I think, um, I know we've got JP this week, so I don't want to toot his horn too much, but <laughs> I think him coming in sort of late into the season has been a bit of a breath of fresh air. I feel like the standard's sort of picking up across the board. Um, and you can see all the referees really like stepping up and it's sort of been a little bit more consistent. I think the referee reports and sort of the pregame stuff they're sending through um, is a lot more detailed and we've sort of got a general idea of what they're looking for and the pictures that they, they want to see painted. So, yeah, I'd probably say it was pretty frustrating at the start, to be honest, um, but it is what it is. I think, you know, we found out today um, that the finals have got, we now have, we do, do have a video ref. Um, and so that's, that's cool. Um, yeah. You know, that's something that a lot of us are used to. So it'd be nice to see that in play, but um, yeah. it's be definitely been an adjustment um, and frustrating at times for sure. 
Mikey, I know I've been hogging Billy. Do you want to ask some questions? I've got, I've got a few more, but I'm very interested. Oh, no, that's right. That's right. My, mine's actually non-rugby related. Okay. Uh, so, Billy, you've come over to the States, and my understanding is you are now an American cereal connoisseur, right? So I'm kind of curious to hear about this because I, I, I find this to be oh. really cool. Because, like, I remember just as an example, just to put this into personal perspective, I remember when I went over to the UK, you guys are going to get a kick out of this. Foes, when I sat down at, at, at my first my first lunch table in sale, right? And I sat down with the boys, at, at the, the food was out and they had the bottle of squash on the table. And I saw all the guys had these colored drinks and I thought, all right, I didn't see anything else except the colored drinks. So I poured myself a full cup of that squash drink. Oh. I, I started drinking it and I was like, oh, this is pretty, I don't know how these guys drink this. And I put it back down and I was like, and the guys looked at me like, what are you doing? Like, what? you know, so obviously you, you move across the world and there's a whole different set of, you know, dietary things that you have to get used to. And obviously one mm -hmm. of them that you've taken, <laughs> taken to heart, Billy, is American cereal. So how did this whole thing start? And tell us a little bit about your, like, cereal competition that you have going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a feeling this would come up. I actually just polished off a bowl of Weebix, which is obviously the OG Australian cereal. Nothing nothing beats it. And I refuse to rate it because it's, it's a straight 30 out of 30. But... It all started, um, it actually started when I was at London Irish. I, I was in the depths of lockdown and I was living by myself and it was sort of, it was, you go to training, you come home and that's it. And it was sort of pretty strict like that. And I picked up a box of cereal there and I, I've always liked cereal since I was a kid. Um, but I picked up a box of cereal there and it was Crispex, I think. And it said on the side of the uh, box that this cereal never gets soggy. And it was like this claim. And I was like, I appreciate that, but surely at some point if cereal's sitting in milk it's going to get soggy so i sort of sat there and i was like well i got nothing but time and there's a claim from nestle that they said it's not gonna get soggy so i poured it in and i sort of set the timer and i just kept eating it and then sure enough at 23 minutes it became soggy um and i was sort of posting all this at the same time and it sort of got a good reaction people everyone sort of seemed to be interested in food and cereal is just one of those things and then i touched down the states and i walked into to Walgreens, not Walgreens, sorry, um, Ralph's, Ralph's, a big supermarket, walked in there and the cereal wall was the biggest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like cereal, yeah, just cereal. endless, endless all healthy cereal, all, all healthy, like, just, oh yeah, there's, so there's a tiny little section of <laughs> oats and muesli, but the rest is this sugar field heaven. So I just thought, right, I'm going to do some reviews. Um, I'm going to do a little series and just a bit of fun, something after training, uh, one a week and just review American cereals and, uh, it's been a journey so far. I think I think uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is is the leader at the moment, but um, still a few like weeks a to go. I like a bit of Cinnamon Toast Crunch as well. That's a good one. Yeah, it's good. It's the it perfect good. sort of balance between yeah. sweet and the texture's good. And yeah, so I'm enjoying that. It's keeping me busy. Nice, Mikey. I like it. Just bring it. I'm enjoying it as well. I found that I found that on your Instagram, and I thought this is this is awesome. I love this. I love the fact <laughs> he's come over here and he's like, you know what? We're gonna have some fun. We're gonna take a look at. Obviously, cereal near and dear to your heart, right? Let's yeah. just let's just test this all this stuff out because that that's that's so cool. So nice job, that's awesome, and I've enjoyed all those all those things. I, I can't say that I eat any of them. Like I don't know that I eat any. Okay. Dry. <laughs> but... so funny for me, Mikey, is that my missus, who's out there probably listening to the door, she goes to the supermarket and she buys the crappy organic and the you know the healthy. Oh, that's stuff. tough. The little bit that he just said. 
there's a sugary sugary yeah, yeah. wall and the little bit that Billy just talked about, that's where I shot my seal. I would expect nothing less from the man that eats Skittles like constantly. Billy, what milk, Billy, what milk are you using? Gummy bears and stuff, like <laughs> well, so I in my coffee I'll have usually just a black coffee or oat milk. So I'm, I'm not really a massive dairy guy, but when it comes to cereal, I feel like to pay respect to my childhood and just give respect and consistency to the reviews, it's full whole milk, organic whole milk. milk. So, I like it. I like your yeah, style. For yeah. And that's yeah. really constant, right? You've kept that consistent from what I understand because you don't want that to exactly. be Exactly. You, don't want you can't milk. change that. No. Yeah, you don't want the exactly. milk. Exactly, exactly. Same bowl, same spoon, same milk. Change so the cereal we're doing, Let's go. <laughs> we're doing science experiments. That's just about cereal. We're doing a science experiment. Exactly. It is. It's an equation. So I'm going to take you back to Rugby Billy because um, they came in this morning, Mikey, and they told us that um, if the game is a draw after 80 minutes, <laughs> then you go 10 minutes each way with 13 players. So you take two off. And then if it's a draw after the 20 minutes, so after 100 minutes of the rugby, then it goes into a penalty shootout. The rules on this penalty shootout, I am not too sure. They're saying that it's like one point in the middle, then you go two, and then there's three, or something like that. I'm not sure whether it's your five kickers kick from the middle, from the left, and from the right, or whether you choose one spot to go. That was undecided. Billy, do you know about this? Yeah, we actually we, we had a similar meeting this morning. Um, and ours actually went one step further, which I'll delve into in a second, which is quite hilarious. And I don't know if DC is keen on me sharing it, but let's go for it. Um, so, yeah, apparently it's, it's all of that. And it's five kickers from your team that choose. There's five different spots across the pitch. And that's that's how the shootout works. So, I mean, if it gets to that point, it gets to that point. But, yeah, we sort of had those dot points along our um, PowerPoint presentation this morning. And then the next one was if, if it's a draw after the penalty shootout, then it goes to a coach's drink off. Um, and DC and DC said, "So, boys, all you need to do is get to that thing, and we've got the win." So, I, I've heard about DC. I know, yeah, oh, yeah. God, yeah. So apparently, all we need to do is draw in the, the the penalty shootout, and then he's got us covered. So, I think there we go. The few guys in our team were just—I think—are desperately hoping it goes to a shootout. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. We had Hanko Grimaches out there practicing today. Oh, how good would that be? <laughs> yeah. And he's horrible. I watched him just shank him to the left every time. I was like, oh, I, I can't can wait see that he's yeah. definitely running up, going, I'll take one. I'm like, oh, please don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, mean, I can't see getting to that point, but I mean, no. I suppose they've got to put contingency plans in place. Well, the thing is, the, the penalty shootout thing's been there for a while. I'm very interested in this 10 minutes each way thing where you, you lose two points. Mm. And, and it's not a um, it's not a golden point, is it? It's a golden, golden try. try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the yeah. try, you yeah. win yeah. it. So wow. Whoever scores yeah. first wins the try. So there's no point in going 4-3. Or is there a point yeah. in going to 3? So if you get 3 and it goes to the 20 minutes, do you win because you're 3 points up? I Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. I doubt it's going to go that way, but I'm just very interested. Yeah. Obviously, they're thinking about these things, and obviously, they're thinking about it from a completely different perspective than normal. Yeah. Right. We're American. We're going to make up our own rules. So, this is what's going to yep. happen. So, who knows? Oh, fair enough. Mikey, what are your thoughts on that? Have you, have you, have you heard about this going on, or what's going on with it? A little bit. I'm on part of the broadcast team. So, they send us some of the details, probably similar to what you have, but. All I know is I hope we guess that because that'd be awesome. That would be, so <laughs> yeah. that would be so good. As a player, yeah, be I'd be totally cool. miserable. As a spectator and as a sideline reporter and doing commentary and stuff, that would be epic. That'd be so good. Yeah, that would be cool. So, Billy, tell me about your um, your week of prep. Um, have things changed? You feel because it's 
the end of the season because it's knockout football now. You, as your week, you know, I, we always used to talk about it because it's interesting when you speak to players from like Munster or Leinster, and mm. they always said, um, you know, the biggest thing in their in their calendar was playing Heineken Cup rugby, and they yeah. said their week would always change when it went from the you know the the Magnus League to the Heineken Cup. They said mm-hmm. the intensity changed, everything, the mindset changed, everything was geared towards that. And it was always different for, for Premiership. You, you know, it was, you know, was grueling. You just did the, you know, yeah. you were playing Newcastle on a Friday night in the pissing rain up in Newcastle. And the next week you're flying off to Cass to play them in, you know, boiling hot weather. But the, but the week's never changed. Has your week changed? Do you feel your prep has changed? Do you think that things have kicked up a gear? You know that everything's sort of boiling mm. at this moment? Yeah, the, the structure of our week's definitely stayed the same and it sort of looks and feels the same. In terms of the intensity, um, it's definitely changed. It's, it's, I sort of get the sense that players like Dave Dennis, Swoop, Gitz, the guys that have been in these situations before, been in big playoff games, have really taken charge and sort of taken over the messaging and driving the standards. I can feel the standards are lifting. Um, people are more accountable. There's a lot of nervous energy, a lot of drop balls and stuff like that in training, which I suppose is, is expected. But it's been really cool to see those guys take charge because, you know, whilst the likes of myself and a few other players in the team that are a bit older have been playing for a while now, I haven't been in playoff games or I haven't been in final series. So it's not like this is me just everyday business. You know, this is all yeah. new to me as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of just learning and listening off those guys. And, um, you know, probably the, the overriding message is to enjoy it, um, yeah. which is something that can often be forgotten because you don't get these opportunities and you can't take them for granted. So I think for a lot of us, it's just about enjoying the week and, sort of just buying into whatever they're setting. So, yeah, it's been really cool, but it's definitely it's definitely taken a lift for sure. It's funny you say that as well, because um, uh, I had a terrible training session today. <laughs> I, was, I was dropping everything. I was shanking. Yeah. Kids. I was like, what the hell yeah. is going on? And I'm supposed to be, you know, one of our guys who's been there and done it before. So I, I kind of like it now. I yeah. kind of like that nervous energy as well. It means that there's... For sure there's something happening and, and and the boys are aware of it and you're aware of it. So, well, Billy, listen, you've been, you've been, um, you've been awesome for LA, you know, watching your games. I was a big fan of yours anyway, when you were at Gloucester and, and, and the small stint you did at London Irish. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching you play at the weekend, mate. Um, hopefully it'll be in the 12 shirt, not the seven. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> I can lock in the 12 shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, mate, uh, thank you very much for jumping on the show. It's always good to talk to someone like you and your calibre. And, you know, I'm so delighted to hear that you're going to be here next year as well, because I think having guys like you who have, have played all over the world and, and you've already, you know, you said you've been impressed with the standard of rugby that's out here. It's um, it's only going to help the game grow. And um, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you got out there in finals footy. Thanks, mate. And um, yeah, I suppose thanks for having me. That was that was awesome. And potentially we might see each other next week. Who knows? Exactly. Well, hopefully that'll be that. Well, that's what they want. That's what the people want, Billy. The headlines. <laughs> well, they, want the LA, want. they want the yeah. New York. They want the East the Coast. Mikey does. Yeah. Mikey wants the Utah Atlantic. No, no, I, I said the New York LA thing has got really cool, really cool branding to it. I really like. And obviously, I'm in the. Now you're I'm, saying it because I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to play in LA. So my first year out of uni, I played in LA. So I would love nothing more to see okay. this. Okay. All right, let's make it happen. Okay, last question before you go, Billy. Yes. Who would, who would you personally prefer to play in the final? If LA beat Utah, who is the team you would like to see in the final? I think I'd like to play Atlanta only because I played against them in the round games and I sort of feel that felt that loss. And it was it was obviously missed playing against you guys with my face injury. So I'd I'd sort of like to 
have another crack at them and um, prove that we can beat them. So that's probably just on a selfish and personal note. But um, yeah, we'll cross that bridge if we get to it. Awesome. All right, Billy. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for dropping in. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Appreciate buddy. it. So the stage is set, Mike. LA versus Atlanta in the Shield final. It's been how long now? Five months of rugby. 99 games have been played or 98 games. There's one left, one that matters most of all. Out at the LA Coliseum, there's all sorts going on. Uh, I was lucky enough to fly out before the game um, and do a little bit of intro um, interviews and, and see the boys do their team run, the LA boys anyway. And then I saw the Atlanta bus come in and sort of loads of few of those boys coming through as well. It is going to be an awesome game. Um, and not just a game, it's going to be a hell of a spectacle. They're expecting seven and a half, eight thousand people there. Ioki is it some kind of famous DJ. I'm not down with the kids, Mike, so I don't know who that is. But I'm told he's a big name. I'm told he's a big name in the music world. He's coming in. He's doing the halftime show. He's doing the after show. A big concert going on. Rumours Fatboy Slim's coming back again to, to, I don't know, on the ones and twos. On the ones and twos, Mikey. Um, so it's set. Who, this is the million dollar question, Mikey. Who is your money on? Who is your money on to take home the shield? Oh, it, it, you, you know, I've been on this bandwagon since day one. Since day one. <laughs> I'm still on that bandwagon. I think Atlanta's going to put up a real good fight, but I think LA at home, they've got a lot left on the table in terms of feeling like they have unfinished business with, with Atlanta. I, I'm going LA. I think that LA is going to take it. And I think that it's, uh, but it's going to be close. I do. But that said, after just after chatting with Billy, speaking of things that I'm also looking forward to big events and, and finales and whatever else, I'm really psyched to see who finishes up or what finishes up on top in his serial like, competition. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I can't wait. I, he's got a lot more left to try, and I can't wait to just continue to follow that. <laughs> he having a lot of finals also, but I'm psyched about it. That serial competition is cool as can be, man. I, I, can't, I can't wait to see what he thinks. But, yes, that aside, I think they have too much star power. I think that they've, they've got too good of a setup there. And, again, that cross-country trip is – you know, you said it yourself at the beginning of the show how important it is to have that home field advantage. Um, so I'm, I'm going, I'm going Los Angeles. I'm going LA. I'm going LA. I think it's the perfect. I think the stage is set. I think it's the perfect time for the swan song of of Matt Gitto and Adam Ashley Cooper. They've they've ridden into Hollywood. They've written their Hollywood tale. They've got to the final. I just can't see past those two and the LA Guiltinis. I think they're going to have too much firepower. Although we did see him stutter a little bit against Utah. And I tell you what, I do think um, the our match against Atlanta took it out of Atlanta. It was hot. Yeah, that too, yeah. Yeah, and it was a tough game, a real physical game. And you could see that they were sort of hurting afterwards. Yeah, they were delighted to win the game. You can see there's some bruised and battered bodies and now getting it ready, short turnaround, getting on a plane, flying over to LA. I just think it's a little bit too much to ask of them. So I'm with you. I don't think it'll be a massive, you know, I don't think they'll run away with it, but I think it, it, it'll be a, be an LA Guiltini victory. So with that said, Mikey, let's roll on the highlights from the US MLR. CBS Sports presentation of the Major League Rugby Championship. A fitting location as Los Angeles and Atlanta fight it out for American Rugby's greatest prize. Our television match official. 
30 players will take the field to start this game, all with a dream of a championship. Only 15 will conquer at the end. Atlanta on the right of your screen will receive LA to kick in the white jerseys. Finds Burton midfield. Oh, pressure coming there. Vandermeer though. Ice running through the veins of the Canadian international. Set! Ball comes down now as his Kura goes to the line. They will explain this game step Set. by step for you here today. There's a good platform here for House to attack. Finds Coleman, there's Kura. Little jinking run. Set! There's Harrison Goddard. Undoubtedly the form number nine of Major League Rugby this year, young Harrison Goddard from Australia. Proud indigenous. Early push against LA. It'll be a free kick here for Atlanta. will give them an opportunity to clear out of their 22. Cottrell caught drifting a little early. Now Jans from Lundsberg. Down to Coleman. Penalty. Strikes it sweetly. Three points to zero. It's Atlanta with an early lead after 15 minutes here at the Coliseum. Ben Rensburg with the throw. It's contested though. Momsen. What a season has been. He cannot bring this one down. LA. Goddard digging. Roll away. Penalty advantage to Los Angeles. Now here becomes the question. He has a cupboard full of championship hardware from his career. Looking to add one more. Flags are up. We are tied up here in Los Angeles. Three points apiece. LA and Atlanta. Numerous high and high balls for the contest there, making sure they can pin them in their territory and turn over the ball. Yeah, great stuff there, James and Bree. And Brian, you've hit it a few times. Atlanta, they thrive off the territory, off mistakes. Hold the phone here, Johnny Ryder. The quadriceps with eyeballs. The opening try of this Major League Rugby final goes to Los Angeles. And it is the homegrown son himself, John Ryberg. What an impact from the wing. Crucial now for LA after scoring that try to exit their own end successfully. Goddard picks up Vailanu. They'll get the penalty for offside against Atlanta too. That will help. Gitto, little chip over the top, looking for the old teammate, Matt and Maxley Cooper, the bounce for Swoop. He's got runners inside and out, the dummy. Isolated, Ryberg, Ryberg. They won't stop John Ryberg. He gets two tries in under two minutes. LA, they have turned the torches to maximum heat here. This one down the center of the field. Sits up nicely. Here goes Van Vute, Rory Van Vute with a little space. Straight over the top of Matt Gitto. Is gonna talk about ball security. A lot of those passes flat at the line of attack and drawing a man and ball at the same time. And well, that's how difficult that kick is, Dan. You know better than I that very difficult, especially from that part of the field all the way against that five meter line. Well, it's kind of like uh, we, we, we talked about the St. Jude coming up in Memphis. It's kind of like where the whistle goes, it's a gimme. And he just kept walking and further and further out to like, no, you're going to have to pop that one, sorry. If, if these players are thinking rolling mall, they got to do job one first, which is to get the line out ball. Got to be a solid throw here. 
Great job off the top, Momsen the target. Very solid to Johan Momsen. Now the mall starts to roll. Pushing towards the line, Atlanta. Can they get the ball down? They're at the try line, they dive, they're over. Atlanta, they have struck back here with a five-pointer of their own. And it's the entire forward pack who deserves a pat on the back there. Brilliant stuff from ATL. And flags go up. Five-point ball game, 15 points to 10. Almost turned over there for Atlanta. Well, Vailano, big collision midfield. May have been something off the ball on Dave Dennis. Yes, it was. Is in his future with the career he has had. No mistakes. Three points. An early three points here in the second half. He just seems to get better and better every time he steps on the field. Chance Wengluski now makes his way on the field. The Lindenwood Lion down the highway. Well, to his arch enemy, like University, the, the rivalry there is a good one. But Atlanta has been kind to Chance Wongooski, and he has been kind in return to the ATL faithful. Now, Los Angeles. Up by eight points, looking to extend their lead here. Not on the ball. Don't go on the ball. orders. Well, onside. They come down. Ryberg, can he get three? He's contained five out from the line. Zeppel Yahoo. Now he's contained. They've got numbers. Gitto, quick hands, quicker. Corner. It's DTH Wagamurva. The Canadian Flyer. The wingers. They're having a field day here for the Giltinis. And they extend their lead now. 23 points to 10. And it really is the same with Ryberg and Vandermurva. The thunder of Ryberg. The lightning of Vandermurva. Gitto to the line, little chip onside. over the Tackers top. Okay. Everyone's on site. Cottrell with the bounce, rakes it in. The pass is good to Poitavin. It's number six to number seven. White, oh, big contact on the fullback. And you can notice this LA defense have turned the volume up slightly here, Brian. They're into the championship minutes of this match, and they know it. The championship minutes. A time for champions to stand tall. And Matt Gitto, a champion player, is soon. Well, it's a changing kicker, not in result, though. Three more points. 31 points to 10. He will be a force to be reckoned with next year as well. Backwards. That one spilt backwards. Comes down to Reeves, a little space for Ryan Reeves. Looking to end oh, this game on a high for Atlanta. Jumped out of the way. Leave Center it field now. Rook 12. Rook. Rook. Penalty. Goes to ATL. Rook. Rook. Heaton will tap quickly. A little dummy from Heaton as he looks for a crack in feet. this LA defense. With the exception of that first half no try, for you. they have not shown many weaknesses here today. Over they go though, ATL, they'll get a constellation try here at the end. What? No, it's because the rocket formed, obviously. It goes back to Cardi. Cardi finds the sideline. And this team of champions are now a champion team.
I don't think Hallmark makes a card for this experience right here. The LA Guiltinis in their first ever season in MLR. John Ryberg, two tries on the day, going crazy. I'm hoping this stage does not fall because I'm gonna need a lot of Guiltinis if I get an injury, if this thing falls. Look at this shield to LA in their first ever MLR season, the number one seed. They got to host this absolutely incredible time. Let's first talk to Dave Dennis. Dave, this was such a special moment for you even to get started. You pulled your team aside in the captain's run and you had a very special message with them, extra special because they were words from your heart. You wrote a poem that had every one of your teammates' name in them. Tell us how much these family members of your mean. Hey, I'm DTH Vandermurvey. I play for the LA Guiltinis, and you're watching the Rugby Clubhouse. Ben, I have to be honest, this is pretty cool, right? I've known DTH for a while. He's caused absolute havoc for me for years for the Canadian national team, but he has been an absolute legend for Los Angeles this year on the wing. We saw his bleached blonde hairdo early in the season. You and I spoke quite a bit about, which looks like he's now the season's over. We're, we're trimming up a little bit, getting ready for that California summer. But DTH Vanden Murphy, welcome to the USA Rugby Clubhouse. Thank you, guys. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on here and chatting a bit of rugby with you guys. Obviously, I've known you for a long time, but also met Ben and Bermuda, so uh, I think it'll be an easy conversation to be had. Mike, uh, no Mike. conversation with Ben is easy. Let's just make this. Let's just get this out in front right now. No conversation with Ben is, is easy. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe we've been speaking for what like two minutes now. Mike, you did the introduction. DTH did a bit of speaking, and no one has mentioned that. DTH has just won the MLR Championship Shield, and he scored. Uh, and he scored sort of the match-winning try. I introduced him as a legend, having a legendary season. DTH, I apologize. I, I'm going to take a step back for a moment, and I'm going I'm to reintroduce <laughs> not, only, not only superstar Canadian international, not only MLR, probably like MVP. If you want to give, I mean, I know. You know, your man Gitto probably got it for the final, but like, let's be honest, you talk about the whole season, your name was everywhere. <laughs> and now MLR champion out of Los Angeles, DTH. There we go. How's that? Is that better? You have better. It's better me. It's better. Let's go. Anyway. <laughs> what, what I've noticed the most about DTH is he seems very dusty. He's very quiet, very subdued in the back there. Tell us about, well, first of all, let's talk about the game. And, and the lead up to the game. I was lucky enough, actually, Mikey, to fly out the uh, um, the day before the final and uh, I was doing a bit of work for a, a, another rugby channel. And um, I saw the boys do their, do their warm up and uh, the, their captain's run before um, before the big game. And uh, Jesus, it's some setup, Mikey. It is, the LA Coliseum is no joke. Come on, man. It's no, it's no Cyclone Stadium. Let's be honest. There's no Cyclone Stadium. It's no Randall's Island. No Come on. Come on, Ben. But the thing is, though, Mikey, is you know, you know me. I've been a big fan of what LA have been doing. And uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of all the players. I love DTH. I love Gitz and Swoop and those boys. Dave Dennis. They're all legends of the game. But you also think to yourself, oh, there's boys, you know, they're in LA and they're living the life. 
it is hard not to fall in love with the team just from the you know the 40 minutes i was there it was you know the trainers were all there the, the lads were nice the trainers were nice you know the physios there was good like banter going on between the players and the physios they're running gauntlets or some stuff and one i think one of their physios is even like trying to do a bronco at some point as well yeah so dth tell us about just sort of like the anticipation of the final, because obviously a lot's gone into the Guillotinis. It's, it's well yeah. known that, you know, you boys are really the Hollywood team of the MLR, uh, very much the name. But there must have been a lot of pressure going on you boys as well. I guess the way you led into that is, is kind of makes me feel really happy about it. Because if you can fall in love with the club within, you know, that short time of spending with us as a captain's run, I just hope that... I guess the rugby public can do that as well. There's obviously, there was so much scrutiny against us for our name and this new team buying all these players. And, and we're kind of the team that people, I get like people said, the, um, the Patriots, you know, everyone hated us in the beginning and stuff. And I'm just glad people are seeing that we are, you're a tight group of guys and we let anyone come in and um, we have a lot of fun with it. And uh, oh, it's been, I can't, I can't sum up the last six months of my life. It's, an absolute whirlwind, and I, I I hope someone writes a book about it or something. Because <laughs> you're the man, DTH. You're the quick. man, yeah, dude. Just put we'll just do like 120 pages or something, just quick, but just a synopsis. But it's uh, it was an unbelievable season. Um, just so much fun on and off the field. Um, from the some of the probably the most stressed I've ever been in my whole life. Um, to you know to complete um, enjoyment afterwards. It's actually funny. One of the you know, Stephen Holes's kids. Um, came to the mom after the game and said, you know, DJ just is this guy. He's always just like real mellow. He's just like, hello, don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, you can do that. And after the game, I had my goggles on and it was just letting loose. They're like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. It's funny that DTH mentioned, because I, I met DTH out in uh, Bermuda in the 10s. And obviously he was making the uh, decision to come over to play America. And we sat in the, the hot tub and he, talked to me and he was like what's it like and uh, and a, a few other things that I won't talk about that we were, were mentioned as well but you know I could tell that he was very nervous about coming into the MLR league and was a bit like you know is this league for real what's yeah. it going to be like I'm very hesitant but I think watching you play DTH and the way you played and the impact that you had in the games and, and scoring those tries and stuff and, and the way you sort of impacted the team of LA showed that you thrived. And I always know that a player can never play that well unless he's happy. Yeah. So, you know, you got your, your family came over a little bit later than you. So you sort of went and got settled, am I right? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, we obviously did the whole Maui thing, um, training camp there. And then we were in Oxnard for, gosh, I think it was another three, three weeks or something like that. So they came straight after April 1st, I think, is when they arrived here, um, which was, I guess, a bit later than we expected. Um, you know, obviously, the whole COVID thing. We, we thought we were going to bring our kids here in August to start school um, of the previous year. And then, obviously, got, everything got pushed back. And, yeah, it's right in saying I was, I was stressed out. I'm just used to the, I guess, the European rugby seasons of, you know, just you're here on this date. It's your weeks off. Your date when you leave, you get holiday time again. And. Um, this is the paperwork you have to fill in and you're all sorted, you know, bank sorted, your healthcare sorted, all these things, phones, everything sorted. And I'm speaking to the this Darren Coleman coach who I never knew, you know, like, <laughs> like please trust me. I'm a really good person. Just trust me. This It's going to work. And, and I'm like, I'm putting all my eggs in this basket about uh, 
trusting a guy that I've never met in my life. I know a few people who knew him um, and he likes to, you know, have a good time. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, right. I went through his Facebook pictures. And I was like, he has got kids. So he must be a trustworthy person. <laughs> uh, I actually told him, I told him that on, on Saturday night, um, we had a good send off for him. So uh, yeah, I, I'm relieved that, you know, I made the decision. It's paid off. Um, yeah. I couldn't be more happy now. And, and what are your thoughts of, of MLR rugby of, of, First of all, the, the caliber of, of players that you're playing with, level of competition, playing the East, the West Coast, the traveling around America, how have you found all that? Yeah, I found it tough, man. This league is tough. Like, I think it's probably the, some of the biggest hits I've ever seen is in this league. I know defense, again, going back to European rugby, we're very focused on defense there. Um, and I could feel there's, well, especially with our team, there's a bit of an Australian flavor super re, super, uh, with super rugby. Um, where it's more about attack, you know, uh, defense or second. But I love that. I love attacking rugby. And um, uh, yeah, the league is amazing. The, the caliber of players in it now is, is just picking up every year after year. Now, I watched all the, well, I watched all the finals for the years before that. And I thought, well, it could be a bit of a, an easier, you know, season coming here. But it's short and sweet but it's tough and now my body feels the time, it needs time to recover. But I, I do think it extends our careers as, as older players that you know, we can play for maximum what 18 games and then you have some time off so um, to recover and you can do it all over again. So yeah, I think it's a great league and it's just going to grow year on year, I think. Oh, it's, cr it's crazy to think that we're talking about an 18-game season as a short and sweet season because you guys were used to playing Europe where it's like insanity with the amount of games that you all play over there. Like, that is crazy yeah. how many games you play. Yeah, that's like, like we're halfway, football, right? It's like a halfway season right now. Right. Uh, exactly. Exactly. But I think, I think that's nuts because, like you said, if you're trying to prolong careers, if you're trying to promote, like – people just being happy to be able to have some sort of a life outside of rugby. I mean, it's important to have that balance. And I think they sort of hit a sweet spot. I think 18 games is a pretty good season. Like the NFL is about similar, right? It's like, if you win the Super Bowl, you're playing something like 18, 19 weeks yeah. or something like that. Yeah. You get a nice little off season, you get back to the group, but you get some time away. And I think I that's, I heard that that's, they've designed it that way there, Mikey, because they yeah. don't want the big sports crossing over. I heard that, that like, you know, the basketball season finishes before the NFL starts because they don't want, you know, if you're a basketball fan and you're a manic fan, you, you know, then you want, you want that fan to be then a fan of NFL. Do you know what I mean? So they only, they cross yeah. over a tiny bit to the, you know, the finals are at the start of some team season and they've, yeah. they've slotted rugby in there as well. So hopefully we're going to fit into that mesh. But I, I'm like, like Mikey says, if rugby gets as big as I hope it does DTH in, in this country, I think that it'll change rugby for everyone. I think that everyone will have to go to shortened seasons because otherwise, why would you, you know, sacrifice your body, your mental wellness, you, you know, playing in a 30 game season when yeah. you can earn the same money playing in a, in a season that's half as long. hundred percent. And I think the way they've tried to change, uh, you know, the old school style of rugby of like the old boys go to the, to the game with their friends or in the U the uk whereas here is more of like a spectacle with like always obviously our final was over the, over the top amazing i thought with steve Aoki coming there and fat man scoop being there the week before but i think that's the way to go for rugby and if north america rugby starts that 
it's just going to keep climbing. Like everyone's going to have to change their game. Like the seasons have to be shorter, but the fun behind it and be more family oriented. And uh, it's going to just build more characters and, or, or, or not characters or more fans into the game. It's, it's amazing. And we've talked about it. He hit it, dude. He got it. We've said that. It's all yeah. about the atmosphere, man. It's like yeah, that's entertainment. It's a show. Yeah. We need the we need the villains. We need the heroes. We need the we need the entertainment. We need the cheerleaders. That's yeah. next to you guys. The guilty ones. Oh, we had the gilly girls. Oh, you've got the gilly girls. There you go. Yeah. They're already there. They're already ahead of me, Mikey. Uh, <laughs> wait. So DTH. So question then. So. I like I like that you know you mentioned North American rugby, not just American rugby. I think that's important. Does 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 rugby Canada need to get more on this bandwagon? You know, oh, like hundred percent. We need more Canadian teams. Oh, uh, I bet you they're so jealous of what's going on over here. Um, like obviously we've got the Toronto guys, and I must you know, huge credit to Toronto this season. Uh, I couldn't imagine living without my family. You know, for a whole season. In the hotel, like uncertainty, well, on the road the whole time, you know, like those guys, unbelievable. So hats off to them. But one team in Canada, that's not good enough. Like we got to put a team somewhere in the central parts of Canada, Calgary, Edmonton. I don't know. Obviously, their weather is a bit of an issue. But um, in the West Coast, Vancouver, they definitely need a, need a team. But all those tight Canadians need to open their pockets and reach deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind a trip to Vancouver. I played a bit of rugby out in Vancouver. That's a good yeah. spot. Let's get it. Oh, it's great. It's great. That what is it? Victoria is where it's big over there, right? Like UBC, obviously, Victoria, that whole area's got and, and they've been but they've been coming down and playing with the Seawolves. Like I look at Phil Mack as an example, right? Like that's where they were playing in, in Seattle. But I think they should have their own their own team. I mean, I, I'm saying this. I have nothing to do with it. I'm not putting my hand in my pocket to pay for it, but like Someone in Vancouver needs to step up and be like, hey, we need a franchise in this thing. Like, we yeah. need representation in it. That's ultimately what it's coming. It's going to come down to. It's just a guy with you know the cash that loves rugby, um, and that's probably the only way it's going to do. You, obviously, you know what the unions are like here. Well, unions have no money, so it, we need private investors to you know, yeah, come up with the idea, come up where you want to set it all up, and and. Uh, yeah, there's, there's plenty of athletes. Like, look at the American the last four years that just created so many stellar athletes and studs, you know, coming through. It's just going to strengthen the Eagles team. Um, if Canada doesn't jump on board quickly, you know, we're just going to keep falling behind in the, the national rankings. All right, enough of the miserable talk, guys. I'm, I want to be... I, wanna I be didn't think that was miserable. I thought that was cool. Come on, I man. Be, I thought, I want, I listen, I got, I've got an MLR champion on the, on the show. I want to hear... First of all, I want to hear about the game itself, how it was playing in it, the atmosphere, you know, seven and a half, eight thousand people turning up. I want to know the, the pressure cooker that you're in, because I know there was a lot of eyes, a lot of expectations. And then the sort of jubilee, jubilation that, you know, sort of that pressure comes off when you're yeah. you mentioned yeah. sticking the goggles on, spraying the champagne, everyone's saying, who's this guy? He's been so serious. <laughs> lunatic. So I want to hear all about that. Yeah. So obviously the, the semi-final, that stress from that game was insane. And um, I think we were so relieved coming out of that game with that, that you know, last four-minute game or last four minutes with a try and, score, and winning the game. That it, that rest of that following week, oh, man, I was just like, wow, has everyone just caught up to us? Is, is this going to be the toughest you know, uh, final ever? And 
and all these things. And obviously in the back of our minds, we're still thinking about losing to ATL during the season. Um, but as players and like Gitz and Swoop and Denno, those guys really drove and they really upped the, the ante the last two weeks and just the standards of what is expected of players, um, you know, on at training fields, doing your homework, all that kind of things. And I really think that paid off for us in the end. Getting to that game, like I said earlier, there's so many people that just wanted to see us fail, um, whether it was the bad name or the, you know, the players who we, we brought in. So for me personally, I was nervous, not for the game, but as person, I was more nervous about losing it and people being able to say, ah, I told you so, or whatever, you know? So that was my nerves all week. It was a wreck. Um, and then, yeah, when the, obviously when the kickoff goes, you're just in game mode. And uh, that was probably the quickest 80 minutes of my life. I should, like, it just flew by. I think we played our best game of the season. Obviously there's, there's things probably we could obviously reflect back, but ultimately we would come away with the win and the emotions afterwards. We spoke, I guess, before, before the game, we spoke about our Nirvanas and just what is your Nirvana? Every player, what's your, that special moment when everything just makes sense to you, whether it's, you know, before the game or during the game or before, the, before you went on the field. And for me, my Nirvana was like, when because I've been lucky enough to win two championships with Glasgow and the Scarlet, but, that moment that you, the whistle goes and I can look up at the crowd and I see my wife and the kids just celebrating. And then at the same time, I see my friends and I'm like, they've all, they've all now experienced a winning, you know, winning a championship. Like there is no feeling like winning something that you've worked for so long, you know, at, and um, so yeah, the relief straight away, I was just running around, where's the Gillies? Where's the Gillies? I want to be here. <laughs> like, um, so, yeah, it was it was an amazing feeling. Just so relieved, um, and like you said, yeah, seven and seven and eight thousand people in the stands. Obviously, that stadium's so big, and it's so hard to to, to just have an image that is as full, you know. Like, um, but they were so loud, they're so passionate. Um, so it was you know, everything was just picture perfect. And then, you know, half an hour later, you've got their Steve Aoki playing in the uh, playing a concert in the corner and everyone's running in there and we're running in there with a trophy between the people and just just like you you kind of make this stuff up it's it crazy <laughs> you mentioned picture perfect man i'll tell you what you go through the instagram account of the mlr of los angeles and those celebration pictures that you have with the goggles on and everything going in the locker rooms that looks like something after like a world series win or you know i mean that was like you open up a Sports Illustrated, and that's what it looked like, and that's what this should be, right? It's well, about why, why didn't we have like Amazon or Netflix follow teams around the whole season, make like a hard knocks or something? Like, honestly, I think, I think if that happened, and they could, you know, follow maybe follow a different team every week in the in the season, and then we go to a semifinal, you you record both those teams as you know getting ready, whatever playing. And then you do the same for the final and you can just create this, obviously the storyline. We just capture so many people. Like, Look, you know what? I'm, I'm writing all these ideas down. I'm writing these ideas down right now. Yes. Cause I, Ben, Ben's on his way out the door. Let's be honest. DTH, <laughs> no way. No way. No way. Unless we keep going, keep going. <laughs> Dude, this is it. This is our, this is our after rugby plan. We're going to pitch this thing. We're going to start yeah. this. Which was like MLR hard knocks and we're going to tour yeah. around hang out with the different teams, see what it's like. And then that's it. Well, that'll be us. That'll be our retirement plan. There we go. That's it. Oh, it'd be amazing. Yeah. 
like just to do an 18 what an 18 week um like showcase whatever 18 stops and that'd be amazing yeah right okay now let's get to the nitty-gritty mikey because <laughs> the final whistle's gone oh listen there's a little bit of i kind of like it to be honest there's a little bit of like preempting they've gone yeah, we're probably going to win. I'm going to buy some bloody snowboard glasses. So we, no. I, don't get I was just going to ask, who bought them? Okay. So, so the way that came up is, again, we go back to the Nirvana thing. Uh, Swoop came in and, well, he, Swoop had us, sorry, we had to speak about something that's like really tangible in your life. During the season, we got to know every player. They can bring a jersey, something that means a lot, a picture of their families, whatever. And just talk about your family, talk about your life, how you were brought up, all these kind of things. So over the weeks, we did like two guys a week and so on. And um, Soup was the last one. He brought these goggles and he had them next to his bedside table. And every night, obviously he's older and he he's obviously thinking about going out of rugby and stepping away from the game. He said every night or every morning when he wakes up, wakes up, looks at the goggles. He's like, I want to be wearing those on the final day. And that was his motivation. And so in his talk, chat about it, he was like, I want you guys all for the final week to go get these goggles and we'll wear them after the game together. So, yeah, it would have been a bit of money, money uh, lost there if we didn't, didn't win. I've just put the How many trophies, How many trophies? in the bag. How many trophies have you got to win to be thinking, yeah, do you know what? When we win, I'm worried about the champagne going in my eyes. So <laughs> Wait, hang on. So, so what we're saying is, if Atlanta had won, there'd be no goggles. There'd be none of that. Oh, like, those goggles would be eyes. down in my bag. Like, really, really <laughs> deep. Never bought them. Oh, man. The MLR needs to take note. Because I'm serious, though. That's what you see. Like, you see the, the baseball teams from the World Series. that They've all got them on. I mean, granted, it's probably like Oakley throwing in a sponsorship yeah. deal, right? Like, <laughs> that's what you really need. It's oh, so, it's up and be like, hey, I like this. I want my brand in that locker room after the MLR final. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there someday. We'll get there. Slowly but surely, we'll get there. But you guys are helping build it. Like, that's the whole thing, is that we're creating a product, right? And that's what Ben and I have talked about quite a bit. And we're yeah. creating something that's entertaining. We're, we're creating something that's fun. And Ben and I have been huge fans. I mean, you've talked about, you know, L.A. being, like, the bad guys of the league, which is true, like, the most hated team. And everybody wants to beat them. You've got kind of the target on your back, for sure. Yeah. But Ben and I have just said how many times what you're doing is exactly what every team in the league needs to do, right? Yeah way that you've like created an atmosphere at the arena you know you've gone out and and rented the coliseum to play in especially yeah. if you're final, right and then you've got goggles and like that little subtle thing is what people scroll through on instagram and you're like that looks that looks freaking cool i want to check that out you know they what i mean it up though mikey you got to back it up which they did you know they, they did right that's the thing you know people like to like winning teams north american people like winning teams you know that dth yeah no no it's good uh, i was uh Oh, it's an amazing experience, boys. Like, <laughs> like uh, Ben and I know nothing about this. We've been knocked out with like in the last what Ben you twice now, and me once. The last couple minutes of of semifinals, so score point for us in this league. That's all right. But DTH goggles on, champagne sprayed. You're with the boys. You're having your gillies. You go and watch um, the DJ. What was it called? Locky. Uh, Ioki. Ioki. Whatever. <laughs> Um, you go and the guy from Thor, dude. Loki's the guy, the the, the brother from Thor, but never mind. Um, so you do that. What, what was the night out like after that night? Was it around LA? Did you have somewhere hired out to go and chill out with the family? Was it just the yeah. boys? So we had, the, we had all the families and a few sponsors were in the change rooms with us, which was so cool. Um, 
that's kind of another thing that's so neat about the squad. You see, all of a sudden you see your Mike, I've got three kids running around, ride my boy slamming Coca-Cola because he can just do whatever he wants. I'm not saying no. So he's like, I got a Coke, I got a Coke. And you see someone picking him up for a photo and stuff. So it was, oh, it was so much fun just to, you know, spend that time with your families and celebrate in the change rooms. So they left after, I don't know, I, no time, no time, I can't remember. They left on a bus back to our headquarters to get changed. And then they met us at um, the Shade Hotel. They rented out like the, like a rooftop area there. So we had a few more drinks and change rooms with the boys and then got on the bus, met them at, um, at the Shade Hotel for maybe a couple hours. Um, so there's appetizers and drinks all over there, which is amazing. Uh, kind of overlooking the whole Manhattan uh, Bay. And then uh, from there on, the sponsors went home. So my wife and some of the kids went home and we went to a, I don't know, some bar. By then, I don't know where we were. Uh, in Torrance or somewhere. Yeah, so we went to this bar. Um, again, pizzas and drinks were flowing. But there was this rumor um, that we we're going to go somewhere in the morning. This is, so. this is, what, I'm, this is what I'm after. <laughs> Keep feeding me. This is what I'm after. This is what I want to hear about. Yeah. So yeah. So there's this rumor that we're going to go to Vegas. Um, so some took it easy. Some party all the way through. And uh, yeah, we got to. Uh, we didn't get the private jet. <laughs> we wish we were getting a private jet. All right. Uh, some it of them like a private jet. Hey. It looked like a private jet. I thought it was. Oh no, those are so. So I guess some of the guys who were on the end on it all um, found out that there is no private jet. It's going to be a bus to Vegas. So um, we met. Most of us met up at the at the HQ. I can't remember what time in the morning, nine o'clock or something. Waiting for a ten o'clock bus, getting back on the beers, um, and I was just walking into the there's the Gillies. I guess headquarters is in our training facility as well. So you just go into the, the massive freezer or something. Yeah. Like you just take ten cases of it. So just go. Um, but yeah, some of the some of the older guys um, they took a a flight to Vegas, uh, which probably that was the smartest idea because this bus we were on, something happened on it on the way up there and it had no AC. And you know what it's like in Vegas. I was sweating buckets. So shirts off. But just steaming. When we got to Vegas, we were rolling hard. So um, yeah, it was a memorable, memorable five and a half hours on a bus. And the other guys waited for us at the pool like after an hour flight. Lucky bastards. So, um, so yeah, then the activity started. <laughs> and then I saw as well that um, after your festivities, I won't ask you to divulge in Vegas. Because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, as we all know. Um, you had your um, awards dinner. Yeah. Uh, and that looked like it was in a pretty special place as well. It looked like you were in bloody Mykonos, not in LA. Yeah, it was, it was um, Santa, Mon Santa Monica, Shutter's Hotel is the place called. So again, there was like a, a rooftop area with a pool, um, appies and food. I don't know, we were there for a couple hours and, and then went downstairs for our, our mini awards. They didn't really want to focus much on awards, I guess, this season. It was it was more about just the you know, cumulative team effort and so on, but... I thought the guys who won was amazing. Ryan James winning young player of the season. Honestly, this kid, when I, when he showed up in Maui and he kicked the first ball, I was just like, <laughs> he can't, what he's professional. He can't kick the ball. Like 
But then he was like, please help, please help. And he soaked it up. He's like, honestly, this is the most amazing athlete. Just soaks up anything that anyone tells him and he improves. And you'll never see him change. So if you tell him, hold the ball the one way, he'll hold that ball like that every time for a kick or a pass or whatever it is. Um, going up for a catch, he'll put his hand, you know, in the right position. Like, he's just someone you can mold. And he's going to be, uh, he's going to be a huge, huge star for um, USA. So very happy to see him do you know, winning the Young Player Award. Um, then we had Billy Meeks winning um, the club guy. He just did so much work for the whole season, organizing the Chicago Circuit, all the events that happened this season, um, you know, Billy did. And then Deno winning players, player of the season, you know, kind of pulled together all these guys and, and you know, just keeping a cap on it because, yeah, we had a good time. So he did really well with that and also led, you know, from the front for the forward. So, yeah, so that was quick maybe 10 minutes just of chatting. And then it was back to uh, DJ Big Sexy Adam Ash on the decks and Glenn <laughs> Bryce uh, on the microphone for, I don't know, to what time that was. And um, yeah, so it was a good times. Have you, see, have you seen that, Mikey? Uh, I, I've tried to not get myself worked up because you, I mean, look, I, I played in LA when I first got out of school and that whole area, I mean, you mentioned Santa Monica and I like yeah. salivate. Santa Monica is just an unbelievable place. I mean, Manhattan Beach, Santa Monica, all that stuff. And it's just what an unbelievable, unbelievable area of, of the country. And I'm so happy that you were able to build a rugby brand there that people seem to have latched onto. So that's just, that's cool. And what's also cool though, is if what I really like you said is you talked about Ryan James, right? Like you show up on day one and you're like, dude, I can't kick. Like this is a disaster. Yeah. And yeah. You know, but he's that he's that clay that you can mold. Because Ben, we, we were talking about this in relation to the showcase and the draft and everything else. Yeah. Do, you, you know, do you invest in these players that are going to be the Ryan James of the world that might show up unable to do something like that, but you put them alongside a DTH, or you put them alongside a Ben Foden, and after you know six months, the dude is an absolute rock star, right? And like Ryan and James, Ryan James. Ryan James is the unsung hero. Well, he's, I think he probably was, was ladled a hero because in the semi-final, he did save your asses. He, he oh, yeah. my last try he scored, um, was a, was a belter. And, uh, yeah, he, he looked, uh, you could see glimpses of him throughout the season playing well. And then I just love that, you know, an American guy on one of the biggest stages, it wasn't the final, but it was in the semi-final, you know, took it upon his shoulders to sort of like, Juvenate a team who, you know, were expected to win. To be fair, I, I did think you guys would put away Utah by 15, 20 points. And so, and Utah were always one of those teams as well. If they were in it at the end, you would you'd be worried because they were kept yeah. winning. They kept finding ways to win at the end. So um, it was awesome to see a guy like him, because normally, you know, normally it is a Gitter or a Cooper or yourself scoring the match winning tries, but like an unsung hero, oh, yeah. American bred. Absolutely amazing. I like obviously the whole the Harrison Goddard going down the sideline uh, two on one and he does a stutter step all that stuff obviously is amazing and I, I like the, his feet stepping inside Te Teo and so on but I thought the, the best part about it all was when he got to the line sometimes you know young guys make mistakes and you you know try and score a try by putting the ball down with one hand maybe it knocks on maybe you run into the guy and they hold you up but he literally dove when he saw the line, he literally dove at the guy's feet and there was no way of messing it up. And I was just like, that's brilliant. Like he just makes sure we get the five points. Like there's no like flashy, you know, swan dive 
or one handed put it ball down, like no risk, just go dive right at it and get the score. Um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And it was so good to see, you know, from where, he, like I said, from where he came in Maui to, to winning it for us in the semifinal, it's just amazing. Scoring two tries, I guess. So it was unreal. I say, um, obviously, one year in the MLR, you've won the, you've won the Shield. Have you got another year in you in the MLR? Yeah, yeah. I've got one more year left in this, on the contract, and uh, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good to know. Good to yeah, know. If, if Adam Ashley Cooper and Ghetto, and you're not as old as them, though, but if they can still, still keep it going, <laughs> go on. We can keep going. As long as the young guys don't run over us every week, at least need a special treatment for he's got Ryberg on your up, up, other wing. You don't have to worry about that monster running at you week in week. Yeah, if he comes if he comes in the opposite team, I'm not playing. Yeah. <laughs> it goes to hurt people. You, you all stay. A lot of you will stay in the LA area now through the off season, or will you go back somewhere else? Or what, what's the plan? Like the most uh, of the guys stay. You know what? It's right now. It's such a mixed bag, um, and it's it's a bit confusing with flights and stuff so obviously we've got quite a few international guys here and just guys can't get back to their country so they're trying to figure things out sort of as we speak there's one-on-one meetings today and so on like flights for an economy class ticket to australia is fifteen thousand dollars or eleven thousand dollars like um so it's just not possible for these guys to go back so um yeah i'm staying around Um, there's a few other guys who are staying around Probably the toughest part right now is stepping away from rugby and you're obviously that routine you have of going into the club training, playing, whatever. And now you've got an extended break of you can't really work, you can't really do anything because the visas are so restricted. Um, so who knows what's going to happen? Um, we're literally going to take it day by day and week by week and figure things out. Um, but I guess, first of all, get the bodies all, all squared away. Um, a few boys needing a few operations and getting things fixed so um yeah we'll uh, we'll see where we go well just enjoy it mate enjoy the enjoy the the fruits of your labor from a hard season you you've you've earned it and obviously um good to hear you'll be back for going for the double next year and yeah. you know as as a, a fan of rugby of, as a player as well if new york didn't win it i'm glad la did oh thanks mate thanks. a lot of people listen i just think that you're you're setting, setting the bar for other teams to get to. I think it's the right way to push this game forward in America. And I love what you're doing out there. So all credits to you, you know, for taking that leap and going over and trusting um, your coaches out there. And, and, and I think you've done a brilliant job over at LA. And I think every, the whole, the whole uh, organization can take a, a, a big pat on the back for, for delivering the shield and then showing the rest of the league how it's done. Yeah, no, it was, it was the most amazing experience. Like, uh, I really, it's when I, when you guys call, when you call or text about coming on the show, like I knew, obviously we would talk about how everything went, but I was like, man, I wish I could just explain to these guys exactly how <laughs> crazy it was. Like, but I'm so relieved. Like the whole league has done so well. Like uh, what was that stat of 99 uncanceled games? Like, yeah. like that's mind boggling, you know, like we've done so well. Um, I think every team, fought through diversity with the COVID situation, done the best, you know, there was nothing worse than doing the bloody spitting test twice a week and, you know, then trying to get the vaccinations up and so on. So like huge credit to the whole league, to the, all the, the, the medical side of things. Um, those guys must have put a lot of, a lot of hours of work into that. And, and ultimately I hope we, I guess, 
all the rugby teams really put the spectacle on the field. And I think it's a really exciting year. And uh, Next year is going to be even better. I know. Completely agree. Completely agree. I'm just surprised that you haven't made comparisons to, you know, partying out in Glasgow to, to LA. I thought that <laughs> very similar sort of... Uh, yeah, no, you know what? Some days I think I would I miss the rain because I haven't seen rain here in <laughs> months. But then I think back to those glass days in Glasgow when I'm standing on the wing getting no ball and I'm just like <laughs> and the physio is passing me hand warmers like ski warmers things I'm putting in my hand and then I put on my sock and I try to keep the hands warm and I'm like yeah. I love that town I love this is like my second home and I love the people there but man LA is an amazing place to live right? you don't miss the weather mate don't miss the Scottish weather yeah no well you, you, I said to the wife the other day like I'm like I'm so tired all the time. We're always doing something. Tomorrow will be sunny again. We don't have to take every <laughs> opportunity to go to the beach or the pool, you know, like Glasgow, it's a sunny day. Take your top off, get the tan, you know, <laughs> whereas here it's going to be sunny tomorrow. Don't worry. <laughs> so, all right, man. Well, enjoy that sun. Enjoy that sun on the West coast. Enjoy the next couple of weeks and hopefully you get back home and, and do whatever you need to do in the off season, but great having you on your show. Thank you very much for stopping by. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a uh, pleasure, and um, thanks for your show. It's good. Sport has the power to change the world. It has the power to inspire. It has the power to unite people in a way that little us does. It speaks to youth in a language they understand. Sport can create hope where once there was only despair. Mikey, it's all said and done, all games played. We have our winners. We both predicted the winners in the end. We can take we can take that one with us. The LA Giltinis. Uh, and looking at their celebrations of what they did as well. Uh, do you know what, Mikey? If Rugby United New York couldn't win it, I'm so glad that LA did. I just think that they are a team that are grabbing headlines, bringing in star players. They've just got the star power being and I just a big fan of what they're doing and yeah I understand that other teams will be a bit you know annoyed just because they are you know showing off as, as such you know being the Hollywood team but you know Gilchrist is, is is really bringing out the checkbook writing checks to get fans in the stadiums he's doing it Austin as well they're doing things a little bit different from other teams which I think that other teams need to sort of wake up and and smile the roses if they want to get onto the level of of what they're doing, they need to start making these changes as well. So I am delighted that LA won. I think it's the right fairy tale ending, especially for the likes of Matt Gitto and Adam Asher Cooper. Gitz was not after the game, didn't say that he was going to retire. Swoop did. Swoop said that's his last professional game. We could see the return of Matt Gitto. What do you think, Mikey? I hope so. I mean, it'd be a shame for him to come in for a year, have a swan song and go. You know, but obviously if he decides to put his hand up to either play or coach, whatever it is, he'd be in high demand globally. I mean, he could pretty much 
write his own ticket anywhere he wants to go. But as a player who spent one season, albeit one just short season, one of the best seasons of my life, though, in L.A. with Belmont Shore back when I was just out of college in 23, they gave me my first shot at men's rugby when I first got out, like at senior rugby when I first got out of college. I'm so happy for that entire community. Mm. It's an amazing place. The rugby family there is truly something special. And for them to sort of share in that moment is so cool. And I know you've, you've met him before, but Kevin Battle uh, is, is a close friend of mine. And he's the general manager there, I think. It's either director of rugby or general manager or something. I, I forget exactly what his title is, but he's someone that has just poured his heart and soul into California rugby in that region. And you know, he's with us at the World Cup in 2015. And he just, to have him as part of that experience, it's like, I'm so proud of him and so proud of what they've done and so psyched for that program. And like you said, they're doing it right, right? They're, they're setting the bar very high. They're, they're making it a spectacle. They're bringing entertainment value to the game, which is important for the American spectator and for people who don't know rugby to go for some other reason than rugby just to have fun at the game. And then that well-rounded experience is crucial. And I mean, that, that venue, the Coliseum is just like, I think I, I heard somewhere, Adam Ashley Cooper, I think in the LA Times, was quoted as saying like in 10 years he thinks that they'll sell out that that venue that the yeah. Coliseum will that would be, be amazing out. yeah bold statement but look that would be I, great well, the way it's going the way it's going they're winning they're they're yeah. an exciting team they're in la they got eight thousand people there to the final yeah. an achievement on its own especially with covid times at the same time mikey i think that this year has been you know arguably one of the toughest years off the back of covid first time they've conferenced it western western east East and West. And I think the MLR deserve a pat on the back as well. Oh, because, yeah, absolutely. You know, with all the testing and all that sort of stuff, no games got postponed, no games got cancelled. They played all the fixtures. They, you know, it was probably the most exciting in terms of teams rising up out of nowhere, Austin from nowhere, Utah from nowhere, suddenly competing. You know, we saw, you know, the likes of Toronto really struggle being away from home, but they did well to know feel the team all year and, and and you know turn over big games and, and win wing big games so it just shows that the league is really coming on leaps and bounds the rugby being played i just think that it's been a really good year for usa rugby oh and i had a chance when we were in atlanta for the semi-final uh to chat with commissioner kilbert i did a quick interview with him uh during one of the water breaks and he was so psyched most importantly about that statistic was this like yeah. i think the final status so i was 99 and 0 in terms of like 99 games played zero canceled and and that in and of itself is incredible and so many people have done so much to make that happen i mean from the top down with Kilbrew calling the shots and having the range but to the individual teams that with their testing policies and the protocols and then most importantly the players i mean look what toronto did to ensure that they could play a season they they lived away from home. They didn't go back across the border. They were away from their families. They lived in hotels. I mean, teams were in. They were all in. They had all their chips on the table sort of thing. They were just in this. And I think the players across the board, the, the staff across the board, deserve a pat on the back for sure because yeah. it was incredible. And I do think that this season, most importantly, Ben, yeah, was actually the most visible. We may not be able to put butts in seats in stadiums because of COVID. Yeah. But when you look at how many eyes were on Major League Rugby this year, because so many people were probably at home or in quarantine or watching yeah. the television or from the internet and, and the rugby network or whatever it was, 
you know, you jump on Instagram and there's tens of thousands of views on some of this stuff, you know? Yeah, and true. That's huge. That is absolutely huge. And again, you throw in the likes of yourself and Guido and Adam Ashley Cooper and all these names that are coming in and the spotlight's here. This is, this is where it's at. And, and 10 years from now, when that Coliseum is sold out, you and I won't <laughs> be playing. We won't be playing. We'll probably no. be doing this stuff, but, but hopefully I'm excited we'll for the future of this. I really, really am. And if, if this past season is an indication of what's to come in the next couple of years, we are definitely on the right path. Although the, the MLR season is finished, I think we're going to do a, a couple of more shows. The first one will be um, looking into the showcase, the first, the first MLR showcase that's, uh, that's come across, um, which is a combine for the MLR draft, which is in a couple of weeks' time as well. So although we're done in terms of uh, rugby and, and highlights and seeing you know the likes of Mikey Teo and Mika Cruz and Matt Gitto and all these players shining on the on the main stage we're going to look to the future talents of American rugby and so I'm excited to go and experience that Mikey I know you you're someone who's always got an eye on young talent whether it's in high school academy programs or or college or college level so we'll be diving into that next week um, but so that's it really that's what's left to say Mikey We've, we've done it all. We've been here from start to finish. Sadly, I haven't got a winner's medal around my neck. I haven't got the, the shield in my bed. Um, who's to yeah, say? Those goggles, dude. That's what I oh, Yeah, the goggles. The goggles. DTA goggles. That, that was it. Maybe that's where I went wrong. I didn't have the goggles at the side of my bed. They got my iPhone <laughs> me for next year. So, all right, Mikey. Well, everyone else at home, thanks for tuning in. And as always, if we don't see you soon, we'll catch you in the clubhouse. <laughs>